Welcome again. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Renaissance. We're glad you're here to join us for our second service. Uh, we're continuing our service in the Lord's Prayer, and uh, we'll be, I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 6, starting from verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, starting from verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. This is the word of God. Good morning, family. We are, how you doing? My name is Aswan. I'm one of the pastors here at Renaissance. And we are continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer. And I love this series. It's been impactful for me because it's getting in my business personally, right? I realize that I have some really bad prayer habits. You know, there are times when I'm, uh, I'm trusting God for things. I'm believing in who God says I am. Uh, and then oftentimes, more often than not, I'm doing a whole lot more thinking than I am praying. And I'm thinking about situations and I'm talking about situations as opposed to actually praying. And our heart uh, for this, and, and I don't say this just because I'm a pastor here, but man, our heart for this series is that not only do we learn how to pray, and Jesus, I think, does a great job, if I might say, a great job of teaching us how to pray. Uh, but I think it's hard. I think it's, 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 it's more powerful. It's the deeper hope is that we actually learn why we are praying and the heart of why we pray, the vitality of what it means to pray to God and what it does in our relationship with him. So we started our series, if you've been with us, we started our series with this idea that God is our father, not a boss, not an instructor, not a CEO, but God as our father. The Lord's prayer begins, our father who is in heaven. And, and, and that changes the game when you think about God as our father. Some of you may or may not know, I lost my dad to cancer last year. And um, I, I think about the times when he heard that I had a need or that I was going through something emotional as a teenager and I didn't go to him. And he would, he would be almost saddened. I could hear him now. I could see his face saying, as one. I am your father. You can come to me for anything. There's no one on this planet that will be in your corner more than me. And that changed the game for me. Think about it. I could go to a coach or an instructor or a teacher, but there's something different about my father. There's an intimacy. There's a depth uh, when I think about my father. And so prayer is not a performance, Prayer is a conversation between a father and his children. And so Jesus wants to help shape uh, before he teaches us how to pray. He wants us to know who we're praying to. We're praying to God, our father. Uh, the second, as we continue the Lord's prayer, right, it says, uh, hallowed be your name. And we said God's name is holy. And holy is a, is a church word that means set apart. And so God's name is set apart from any other thing, any other name, any other gods. God, this God, the biblical God, the God who created the sun, the moon, and the stars, he, he's set apart. 
And what, what Jesus is saying, because he's set apart, he is the only thing worthy of our worship. And worship kind of being another church word just simply means the dedication of our adoration and our affections and our affinity. And only God, our Father, could sustain the weight of our, all of our worship. Because anything else, anything else that we put uh, the weight of our, our affections and our adoration on, it's only going to leave us discouraged and disappointed. And so only God can handle that. Idols, uh, Jordan said this, idols overpromise and they underdeliver. And what Jesus is doing is he, he's realigning our hearts. And he's saying, when you, when you pray, hallowed be your name, that you get the order correct. We were designed for God to be in the center and for us to orbit around him. But too often, family, don't we put us in the center and we ask God to orbit around us? As we continue the Lord's Prayer, the next line is, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and maybe when you first read this like me, I was like, what kingdom? Whose kingdom? What ki- what, like, what, tell me about this kingdom. And, you know, we don't, we don't live in a kingdom, right? Uh, so maybe the, those are the first things that flood your mind when you hear this. And, and listen, I work with high school and middle school students. Um, and the number one reason they don't engage in scripture is because there's text that they don't really understand. And, I mean, if I was to be honest, maybe if we took a poll, some of us probably would have similar sentiments, right? Y'all laughing. Y'all like, yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> but but um, despite the discomfort kind of of the word kingdom, something else happened in me as I was preparing for this message. Man, I, it, it, it hit me that the reality is it's, it's not that I don't want to pray, God, your kingdom come. It's just hard for me to pray God, your kingdom come. Because intuitively, somehow I know if I stand up or kneel down, however you pray, if I'm like, God, your kingdom come, in the back of my mind, I'm saying that means my kingdom must go. And I ain't with it. I don't like that. I don't like the reality that if God's kingdom has to come, then it in essence means that I'm praying for my kingdom to go. But, but let's, let's explore the term kingdom. Let's, let's get a definition so we can continue to flow through this message today. Uh, a kingdom is a realm or an area under the control of a particular person or thing. And I started thinking, there's a, there's a Morris King, Kingdom on 128th Street. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the Morris Kingdom. And right now, the Morris Kingdom is under mutiny because we've been taken over. There's a new king. His name is Axel Wayne. Yo, this dude right here, he tells me when I go to sleep. He tells me when it's time to eat. He tells me when it's time to wake up. You better believe that. Everybody on the block knows when it's time to get up. Axel is the new king. And, and you know, I, I say that in jest, but uh, I don't want the term kingdom to, to, to dissuade us from really understanding what the kingdom of God means. Because understanding the kingdom of God is vital to, to, to shaping how we pray. So check it. A, a kingdom is the territory or geography that is ruled by a king. And in the ancient uh, times, in the ancient Near East, uh, 
kingdoms and monarchies were, were the normal form of government, right? Kings were, they ruled with an iron fist. They wanted their subjects to obey at all costs. If they had to kill women and babies, they did it. If they had to uh, um, kind of sneakily attack someone, they did it. All they cared about was taking care, uh, overthrowing the territory and expanding their kingdom. Well, if we jump back into the biblical history, some of the history of the people of God, we didn't start out being led by a king. We were led by God, and God would holler at a prophet, and a prophet is just someone who talks to the people on behalf of God. So God would holler at a prophet, and the prophet would then communicate what God was saying, and we would follow that. And then we got into a place, we get into this land where, you know, it's called the promised land, this land where God designed for the people of God to reside and now be his people. And we say, you know what, God, I hear you. And I like this prophet thing, you know, Moses, Abraham, Isaiah, them dudes are cool. But we want a king. And And they said, God, we want a king. So they told the prophet Samuel, hey, go tell God to give us a king. And so God gives him this king. But these kings are horrible. These kings lead terribly. And so the people of God are kind of stuck with that. And, then, and now if you fast forward, the hope, uh, now because they're in captivity, they've been taken over by another king who cares nothing about them and cares nothing about their God. And now they're taken over, they're in captivity, but God is still speaking through the prophets. He's like, yo, I'm going to establish my kingdom. Y'all dudes, wait, I got you. Got you. Stop laughing. And, and, and the, the idea was that when Jesus comes, that he would establish this new form of government. And so when Jesus steps on the scene, he says things like, yo, the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus was giving people a sneak peek of what it would look like if the kingdom of God was actually here on heaven. He was healing people and he was doing miracles. And, and, and if the kingdom of God was on, if the kingdom of God was here on earth, this is what it would look like. But Jesus has to go. And so what I think Jesus is asking, Jesus is saying now, though, before he comes back, when he wraps up this whole story and he comes back to actually physically establish his kingdom here on earth, before that happens, he says, you know where I want to rule and reign? Your hearts. You know the territory I actually want? Your hearts. Where Jerusalem back in the day was thought about as the territory where God's kingdom was going to be. Jesus is saying, you know where the kingdom of God is going to be? Your hearts. And see, I have a question for us, Renaissance. What is dominating your heart and your mind? On the way over, I was thinking about that question. I'm like, yo, honestly, the kingdom of God is not dominating my heart and my mind. If I just look over this last week, it was stress. Uh, 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 maybe for you, it's, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job status. But for me, it, it was, I was stressing out. I'm like, Lord, I have four kids. Yeah, y'all can start praying. That was, I saw some people. Yeah, I said the same thing. But I, I, I think about the fact my daughters, uh, one of them is in college, and I got to figure that out. And one of them goes to a really expensive Catholic school, and I have to figure that out. My wife is trying to figure out how do we get our two boys, how do we get them into extracurricular activities? How do we find some childcare so she could actually uh, get back to life as usual? 
Man, all of that stress has been inundating me all week, and it's in direct competition with the kingdom of God that's supposed to reign in my heart. And that's just the reality. And sometimes I feel like the people of, of Israel, I'm like, God, I know you've been leading me, but yo, give me a king. Give me something tangible that I can sink my teeth in. Give me a, a, a better job. No offense. I mean, this is good. This is cool. <laughs> nah, but yo, give me some more money. Give me some more opportunities. Give me some more followers on Instagram so I can do something. I don't know. But sometimes I feel like turning my heart and my affections and looking for a tangible king. And I wrestle, and I wrestle, and I wrestle with that. See, the issue, I don't think it's this understanding of kingdom, and I gave us kind of a brief synopsis of what kingdoms are. But I think the harder part is it's my kingdom versus God's kingdom. The harder part for me is I would rather have my kingdom established than have God's kingdom established. So it's, it's not that I don't want to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, I, I kind of want to pr pray that, but really in my heart, what I'm saying is, God, I want my kingdom to be established first, and then your kingdom can come. God, I, I want the reality. I want to be able to control my situations. I, I don't want there to be more month than my money. I want to do something about that. And I'm wrestling internally with this idea that it's my kingdom versus God's kingdom. And let's be honest, right? If, and, and, and maybe you're like me. If you, if you really open up your calendar and you think about how you've been spending your time, man, Luke Cage is dope. I'm just saying, I, li I like it. I liked it. I spent a lot of time watching it. I shouldn't have been. I could have been doing some other more productive things. But if we, if we look at our lives, we'll see, man, what kingdom are you building? Are you building Nike, Seamless, Patagonia, Coach? What kingdoms are we building? And I struggle and I wrestle and I realize <laughs> that I often am building my own kingdom. Many of you know I like basketball and I got a chance to play basketball back in the day. I mean, I can still play a little bit, you know what I'm saying? If anybody's out there and want to test me. But um, listen, I remember, and this year I looked at a, a stat and there's a player that's going to make $20 million this year. I was like, what the? $20 million? So I'm like, you know what? What if I made $20 million? What would I do with $20 million? So I really sat down in my mind. You ever have these moments? I sat down in my mind. I'm thinking, okay, $20 million. I really don't know like, how much that would. If I saw that in my account, I'd probably break, like, bug out, first of all. But then I'm thinking, like, okay, you know what? I'm going to buy my mama a house in Aruba. I'm going to erase all the debt in my family. Um, you know what? I'm going to have a, a, a scholarship uh, essay program so that I can send kids to, to college for free. And then I'm like, yo, I am lying. I, that is not true. Right? I was all holy for a second. I'm like, yo, that is not true. Because if I looked at my life right now with the blessings that I currently have, I am not doing any of those things that I dreamed about. 
And that's just the reality. The reality is if I, if I really would, would do that with $20 million, then I should be doing it now. But I'd rather have my kingdom than God's kingdom. See, the truth is opportunity just exposes your values. So if you value your kingdom, man, when you get an opportunity, that's what's going to show up. So uh, if we continue to see selfishness, greed, lust, and the misuse of power in our lives, you know what it means? It simply means our kingdom is at hand, not God's. When God's kingdom comes, it means our kingdom goes. When God's kingdom comes, it means that our kingdom goes. And, and I'm not convinced that we truly understand our role in the kingdom. Um, see, in John 1.12, uh, the Bible says, says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. Say right. He gave the right to become children of God. In, in other translations, it says privilege. The people of God, we are privileged to call the God of the universe our father. And again, if you don't know God as your father, man, I'm encouraging you today. Don't leave this auditorium without knowing God as your father. But it's a privilege to know God as father. And we play a vital role in the kingdom of God actually coming to earth. See, see, God trusted and knew that when he put on, when he added human nature to himself and came as the person of Jesus, he knew that it would be glimpses of the kingdom of God. And you know what God is saying to us, the children of God who have the privilege to call God our father, he's saying, would you take over the family's business? Would you continue to help earth see what the kingdom of God actually looks like? But. But first, we have to make sure the kingdom of God is ruling and reigning in our hearts. See, when the kingdom of God is ruling and reigning in our hearts, then, then man, we have an obligation because wherever we go, you know, we can say the kingdom of God is at hand. We can say, God, your kingdom come, my kingdom go. Here's what I know. Um, and, and we were talking about this kind of in between service. I, I think one of the deeper struggles is we have a warped perception of king. We have a, a, a misunderstanding of what a kingdom is. Maybe, maybe we're thinking about the dude in the movies who's sitting back eating grapes, who's telling people where to go. He's like, oh, him off with his head. The king that cares more about his rule and his reign than he does the people. Maybe we've seen Game of Thrones and we're like, uh-uh, I'm not living in that kingdom. I mean, I don't know what y'all watching. Y'all don't watch Game of Thrones. Nah, it's cool. It's okay. It's not bad. Luke Cage, though, I mean, just saying. But maybe we don't fully understand what a king is. Or maybe if we wrestle with the image or the perspective the perception that we have of a king, a ruler, a tyrant, someone who doesn't really care about us. But, but, but what if I told you that you had the wrong idea of a king? What if I told you that this kingdom was different? See, Jesus is not a king that abuses his power. Jesus is a gentle, loving king who is compassionate and caring. Jesus is the type of king that used all of his power 
to serve you and I. Jesus is the type of king that stays faithful to his subjects even when his subjects aren't faithful to him. What king do you know does that? See, Jesus thinks more about you than he did himself. See, the Bible says this in Philippians 2. Who, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. That must be so hard for King Jesus to be made in mere human likeness. That had to be humbling. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, we have a king that's willing to die for these subjects. Nowhere, nowhere in the Near East, nowhere in, our, in ancient history do we see kings who are willing to die for their subjects. See, we have a king in Jesus who could hear the faintest cry of his subjects, his children, and he would take off in a dead sprint after them. That's the kind of king you and I get the privilege to serve. See, in your kingdom, you are king. And you know what's problem, the problem with that? Forget forgiving other people. You have a harder time forgiving yourself. But King Jesus says there is forgiveness available in the kingdom of God. Elsewhere in the Bible, in one of the prophets, Isaiah says this. This is describing King Jesus to us. He was, Jesus, despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, not chasing after fame, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. The God of the universe came to earth and subjected himself to us holding him in low esteem. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. See, King Jesus was laying on the wood with the nails in his hands, and he was, he was there, and people were, were telling him, yo, why don't you save yourself? And I'm just imagining Jesus being God in human form was there like I probably could. But you know what? The subjects need for me to die. And so instead of exercising his power, he dumbs it down just a bit. You know why? To serve you and I. Listen to what Matthew says. Matthew says this. You know that the rulers of the, of, of the Gentiles lorded over them. This is Jesus speaking. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served. See, he's not a king that's sitting around eating grapes waiting for us to serve him. He came but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You and I weren't even worthy of ransoming, but the God of the universe did it anyway. See, God's kingdom is different 
The king dies for the subjects. The king serves the subjects. I have never lived in a kingdom before, and I probably never will. But that's the kind of kingdom I want to be a part of. And when Jesus is saying, pray this, pray like this, he says, pray, God, your kingdom come. He's saying, our kingdom go. And he's saying, keep the proper perspective that you are asking for the kingdom of God to come, the king, of, uh, the king Jesus to come, who is the type of king that's willing to give it all for his subjects. In closing, man, despite the desire to be our own kings and rule our own kingdoms, Jesus is instructing us to pray for the kingdom of God to reign in our hearts first and foremost. And then he's asking us to pray for God's kingdom to come and our kingdom to go. And so here's what I want us to do this week. I want you to sit down, actually tangibly do this, please. I want you to sit down, and, and Brianna, even if you, if you don't have a bank account, I want you to sit down with something, some, some allowance or something, all right? I want you to sit down open up your calendar, and I want you to say, God, I want your kingdom to come. I want you to look at the days, look at your week, look at your month. I want you to say, God, would your kingdom come? And I'm trusting that maybe the Holy Spirit would inspire you to say, you know what? On this day, I'm going to start serving at Renaissance. Maybe that's one. Maybe you say, you know what? I'm going to start serving uh, so that young women can stop getting sex trafficked. Maybe, maybe I'll serve with disinterested kids to the gospel, and I'll, I'll join Young Life in the mission of introducing adolescents to Christ and help them grow in their faith. Maybe if we took the time, I hope that we take the time this week, and we say, God, you know what? Your kingdom come, my kingdom go. And if it's not in pencil, then it's a, it's a, it's a pen that you're taking, and you're just striking out your kingdom, and you're adding God's kingdom as it comes. I want you to open your bank account. I want you to look at your statements. I want you to say, God, would your kingdom come? Would my kingdom go? In closing, man, there are some organizations and projects and things that we could be giving to. We could be giving our time, our resources, our expertise. We could be giving to to advance the kingdom of God. What kingdom are you building this week? What will you leave here building? Will you take on the legacy of being a kingdom of God builder? I hope, Renaissance, we do that. Let's close by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Can we do that? Our Father, who, are, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. Amen.